0: to a new additional Bills from afar you with me Tim Roger my co-host Charlie Charlie it's been uh, nearly a month almost how are you doing it's been a long time we're back afraid. we're back yes. yeah that's no,
1: good i've enjoyed the uh, the mental break away from football um and just this week started getting into my my draft prep and last sort of week or so and uh, yeah feeling refreshed and ready to talk more bills did you did you watch the super bowl or did you just ignore all that stuff
0: uh so i Ignored for pre match podcasts, I ignored the post match commentary media podcasts again. Uh, but I watched the game, I did watch the game, uh, not necessarily live, I watched it kind of during the night, live mm-hmm. when I woke up and yeah, naturally got up and just started watching it. And, um, not exactly a surprise, is it? Like I said, uh, I never. Wrote off the Chiefs despite the regular season problems that they were having, and quite rightfully, everyone you know was talking about the fact that this is the worst Chiefs team. Um, you know, since they started to become this you know Super Bowl uh dominating team, um, but you know, they're still the Chiefs, aren't they? And they've still got my homes and they're still able to you know pull this out of the bag, so mm. yeah, so. It uh, wasn't a surprise for the result. It is a bit frustrating though, isn't it? Because like the NFC teams in the last couple of years, the Eagles last year, they get these leads, but they just don't find a way to close out these games. Um, I'm watching Jeez. it and I'm still very bitter about things because it's been three times now the Bills have been knocked out and you know that, that narrative is built and uh, you know it's going to take the Bills beating the Chiefs in the postseason to kind of get that monkey off our backs. Or do, do you, know, do you take
1: any consolation from the fact that, you know, it was the Chiefs that knocked us out and we, had, no. we did beat them in regular season and we're not that far away? And no. We, we only lost by three points after all.
0: Uh, I don't really because, like, the Bills, you know, they... They had the Patriots for 20 years in the division and, you know, that's kind of been, you know, we haven't had a quarterback like Josh Allen or, you know, the the stable uh, regime like we've had under Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott, like, but we were constantly chasing our tails against the Patriots and Tom Brady and uh, then he goes and then the Chiefs become like the new dynasty of the AFC and Now they've emerged and they keep winning Super Bowls and they're going for a free peak next season. It's just frustrating that the Bills, you know, especially when they're peaking and like they've got the best team in, you know, what, three decades, you've got to say, Mm -hmm. that, you Mm -hmm. know, we're in this position and, you know, it's just every time we've made it, like, it's always the Chiefs knocking us out and, you know, What we're going to be doing here is we're going to be talking about kind of reflecting basically and putting a a close on last season. But we'll also talk about key takeaways uh, from last season that will affect the off season. One of those is specifically linked about the Chiefs and me. So we'll talk about that a bit later. But yeah, I don't have any consolation really. Like we've had three opportunities to do it now. And again, as we say, you know, only one. AFC team out of 16 can represent um, the conference. You can't expect that to be the Bills every season. It's unrealistic to do so. Um, But you'd have fought one of these three times. You know, we've been so close twice, haven't we? You know, Mm. we've been... We we should have won in the Divisional for for, for the second time we faced them um, in 2021. And... You know, we had plenty of chances this season. You know, we should have, have put you, them away in, in, uh, for Divisional, really.
1: One of my takeaways is that the Chiefs are really battle-hardened. So even when they're not the best, they can still pull out the results. And I feel like the Bills, although we've been to the playoffs many times now, we still make silly mistakes, you know, you were know, a kicker that misses field goals and... yeah. The injuries, I think, really hurt us this year on the defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, I have to feel that. I mean, we only lost by three points, and we had we missed field goal for uh, missed two field goals. Uh, I, you know, I feel like if we had a, a fit Matt Milano in that game, we we win it. Um, it's it's really fine margins, and and my my feeling is that there's probably five to eight teams that are Super Bowl winning capable. And whenever it's a knockout competition, it's not necessarily the best team that wins it. It's the team that is battle-hardened, that makes good decisions. And what you what you have to say about Mahomes is in the biggest moments, he makes good decisions. And I think that, you know, physically Josh can go toe-to-toe with Pat, you know, every day of the week. But so some of the biggest biggest moments does josh always make the best decisions um i think you know the, the, patrick Mahoney's got a bit of an edge on him there so to me that's the difference bit of luck bit of bad decision making mm. but it but it, it's not it's not a million miles away um and i you know we'll talk a lot about yeah. this off season and i think the bills have got some serious work to do but i'm relatively optimistic that the bills can at least bring back a similar similar quality team next year um and that will be in that mm. will be in the mix again. Mm. But to me, being in the mix is 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 all you can ask for. And then it really comes down to luck and injuries and and a bit of bit of wildness, perhaps. But it is frustrating yeah. for sure. I mean, I, I had no interest in in that game, uh, the Chiefs versus the Forty Nine ers. I do like either team. Um, I thought the Chiefs would win. They did. I thought if Brock Purdy would have won, that would have been a hell of a story. But in some respects, I'm kind of I. I feel like Shanahan's slightly overrated and I think he benefits from being in the NFC and not having to face, you know, the absolute top tier of the NFL talent every, every week. Mm. Um, but yeah, maybe that's all we should say about the Super Bowl. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's one of those things it's frustrating, but yeah, I, just, I watched the highlights. I uh, thought the game was pretty dull until the fourth quarter. Um, but uh, yeah, the, 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 the more experienced, the more wily, the more experienced team won in the end. And um, mm.
0: that's what we expected. Well- Last thing for me, and it might not be because you might have some comeback on this, but like Josh Allen for me is the most important player to any team in the NFL. I know Mahomes is, I'm not saying because of that Josh Allen's a better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes, but you saw, you know, you, you just look at the facts of, you know, how many touchdowns are scored by one player in the league, and it's Josh Allen every time because you've got that rushing yeah. upside bit as well. How he's able to push the pile and you know score these, you know one yard, two yard rushes, and how he's able to just scramble with his legs anyway and get outside pocket. And he's still got a um, you know fantastically accurate arm, and he's able to do these amazing things with his arm. Um, so, you know, he's the most important like player for any team mm. in the league for me. And you saw looked in the Super Bowl uh, around, you know, the Chiefs and you know, if it wasn't for the Kansas City defence and your McDuffies and your your Joneses that kind of kept them within touching distance of the 49 Yeah. And you know, then Mahomes and the offense would not have had that opportunity to have come back in that game. And I just think like in the off season in the postseason we put everything on Josh Allen's back and yeah. he delivered and he done everything really he asked I know in one of, you know that last drive um you know a couple of things could have gone differently but it was like Josh getting us into that position. It wasn't like the defence kept us in the game or, you know, it's Josh that kept us in the game. You know yeah. we need like the, the defence to step up and I know that we do. you know they've been pretty good and they've been pretty good for a number of seasons now but it's just in those critical moments especially in the postseason you know like we talked like we might have a pass rush there and that was still the case this year and I'm sure we'll talk about that soon um, when we talk about the key takeaways and that kind of stuff but it's just like the other air and special teams obviously we talked about that and Bass missing a field goal but like it's the other units stepping up look at Butker and how how well he performed all postseason, he didn't miss a kick. He was knocking over fifty plus yard field goals like they were nothing, you know. Yeah. We don't have those uh, you know, the other units aren't stepping up, like Josh is stepping up. and other players like Shakir's awesome at the back end, you know, Dawkins as well. Like the offense is stepping up. It's just the other areas that we need to improve on. That we'll talk yeah. about, we'll have loads of time to talk about how we can improve this defence in the uh off season. So I think that's yeah. I just had to get that out of my system. (laughs) As you could tell, I think for you, like you've gotten over it. For me, like when I watch, I've been watching games and stuff back and it's like, just another missed year, another missed opportunity. And it just still frustrates me. And I don't think I'll get over these (laughs) last couple of years. Um, But uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk about the awards then um, and reflect on the season. So um, we're kind of you know, your usual end-of-season, like, awards that you'd get, your MVP, your defensive, offensive players of the years. But we've also tried to incorporate some of the uh, awards that we'd give on a weekly basis for games, so the Unsung Hero, um, even the Rex we've got. And I'm sure that'd be pretty... I'm sure we'll have the same one for the Rex, but, yeah, so we've tried to incorporate that, <laughs> as well as things like the, our favourite game, Best Touchdown, uh, that type of stuff. So we've got quite a few categories to get into. And then, as I said, the key takeaways are heading into the offseason to wrap it up for this podcast. So, Charlie, we'll go to the MVP first. Um, mm-hmm. Who have you got?
1: It's got to be Josh Allen, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> for a, I don't think he had a perfect season, but he had a very good season. And yeah. um, as you said earlier, he's he's the most important player on any team in the league. Um and i think if we look at his his 2023 stats you have to say that it's it's right up there with any any season he's had um i think uh you know he, he what was it what was 4300 yards that's what i think is uh, third of, third most in the season um completion percentage was 66.5 that's his second highest second best, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. in the season um you know, obviously scored an awful lot of touchdowns. Um, So I think this was his best year for touchdowns, was it not? Um, so yeah, he rushed a little bit less than he has the previous two seasons, but still rushed a good chunk, perhaps a bit more than we were expecting, especially once Joe Brady took over. So yeah, I think he's just incredibly important, and I think he, by and large, played really, really well. And I think he also. Not necessarily consistently, but in good chunks of the season, made good decisions. You know, if you look, go back to that Cowboys game where he was doing a lot of dump off passes to, to James Cook and we were running the ball much more heavily. He didn't play that hero ball. Um, he still has it in him from time to time. But I think we can see that maturing. And he's, he's one of the best, what, two three quarterbacks in the league uh depending on what, it, what kind of quarterback you're looking for so i think anytime you've got a guy who's a top five quarterback in the league you, you know you're in with a chance for the super bowl and uh, we have one of those guys and it's incredible to watch him um yeah we're we're, we're, we're very fortunate
0: yeah yeah and i've got for josh allen as well uh, as you illustrate like the passing production's been pretty good um not as good as it has been in the last couple of seasons when i looked at it but that paints that that tells you a story basically. If you look at the the yards per patch, that's significantly down, um, and that obviously um, correlates with um, total yards that he had. That's down as well. But you think about you know Digs being quieter for you know a good half of the season. You think about Gable Davis being really hot and cold, like. His passing options were in a short and intermediate areas of field for most of the season. So um, just because those are down doesn't mean he's had a bad season. You know, he's just done what, you know, has been asked of him. And as you said, like, there's been a lot more dump-offs. James Cook was used more in a passing game. Um he also integrated, that,
1: yeah. you know, uh, Dalton yeah. Kincaid um, yeah. into the offense. I think really well, and he, he made use of a you know proper slot receiver for the first time in you know, it since we've had uh, we had Beasley. So you know, he's he's had to adapt to that, and I think you know, the the numbers in terms of yards are, are within you know to, to, to me within game plan variance <laughs> from from game to game. You're know, you always going to have those games where you want to go this way or that way. So it's within the realms of the sort of stuff he's been doing over the last four seasons.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And even in the, I put in inverted um, speeches, but uh, speech marks, but dark days, even in that dark days under Ken Dorsey, which it weren't really dark days, but um, it was still pretty good. Very even. Like, Very you know, yeah. even though we went for a dry spell, that wasn't necessarily on Josh. And uh, also the fact that we were more run heavy under Joe Brady. Um, that's obviously translated as well, and that's going to suit him, you know. If a if I, if that's the uh, blueprint for next season, it's going to be a bit more rushing and that kind of thing. Then that'll, you know, it doesn't impact the performance of our offense and Josh because he's able to do all that stuff. So yeah, MVP Josh Allen, uh, easy um, offensive player of the year. Who have you gone? So obviously for? I've gone for
1: non Josh Allen and yes. I've gone for, gone for James Cook. Um, we saw a real breakout season for James Cook this year. You know, he had his first, his second year as a bill, um, still in his rookie contract. He went from getting 507 yards on 89 carries last year to, to over 1100 on 237 carries, a massive difference in terms of his production. Um, similar same touchdowns two touchdowns but a much bigger part of the offense and we saw in certain games where he was really the guy especially that game against uh, dallas as we mentioned earlier so i think it's really exciting for us to have that i wouldn't necessarily call him a bell cloud bow, bell cow back easy for me to say <laughs> um, sure, Peter, um, that's I know, Right. <laughs> i do think he needs a complimentary back he needs somebody who's going to be you know uh better in yeah. those sort of downhill situations through the tackles but i thought he was sharper. He was quick. His decision making was better. I wish you could catch it a little bit better. <laughs> you know, we saw him mm. used a lot more uh, in the in the in the passing game this year with with four touchdowns. Um, uh, but he also had some drops, which were pretty frustrating. Yeah. Uh, that should come with experience and maturity and, and getting even more used to you know Joe Brady offense. But I think you have to say he was a big big contributor uh, for this offense and and something that perhaps most of us didn't see coming that that level yeah. of step up.
0: Yeah. Well I kind of predicted it at the start of last season, um, uh, just from the glimpses we saw in his rookie season. But definitely, as you said when we drafted him, that he would become this type of running back for us. I would not have seen that because when you watched this film at Georgia, like I didn't see what surprises me most about James Cook and what he seems to have found a way of to improve, like he's improved every week, but like it's more, he's not a power back. Clearly, he's not a power yeah. back. His build doesn't allow for him that. He's like 190 pounds, but it's how he's able to still find those extra yards. You know, kind of like what Zeke Elliott was always used to do for the Cowboys. Like again, completely different types of running backs, but like they'd always find a way of adding a couple of extra yards, and that makes. Mass- a massive difference, you know, yeah. For running backs.
1: Yeah. We saw that increased ingression, didn't we? You know, he. Um, I haven't got the stats in front of me, but it seemed like he was getting a lot more yards after first contact than he had in previous years. Um, so it felt like he was scrapping more for that extra two, two or three yards at the end of a play. And for a guy that isn't very big, that was really
0: encouraging. And he wouldn't just bounce it wide either, like would he? Like in his rookie season, it felt like he'd just try and do that and outrun everyone. But it felt like this year he was a little bit more patient. His vision was a little bit better. He was making better decisions, that kind of thing. So yeah, um, totally understand why we've gone for for James Kirk. He was uh, he'd probably won second place for me, um, excluding Josh Allen again. We're we doing it kind of like for how the NFL does their awards, but for me, I've gone for Dean Dawkins. I think for for me, he had his best season of his career. Uh, captain of the O line, um, just Mr. Consistent, isn't he? he doesn't miss mm. games, which is a massive asset for this Bills offense. I'm just amazed at how well he moves in space for his build. Like when you look at him, he does not look like someone that should excel in the second level and should, you know, uh, you know. Put some, he he does in the open field. The the blocks that he's able to put on, you know, poor defensive backs of the opposition is just—it's such a fun sight to watch when he's in the open field and he's able to just pursue and, you know, it's an amazing thing to see. And I I think for me, yeah, but the contract extension for Dean Dawkins is one of my top two things of this season. It's for Dakon Jones. Extend, yeah, you know, he's a free agent, so we need to extend him. But Dean Dawkins, he's contracted for another season, but you know, only him and Brown are both contracted for only one more year. Get ahead of that, we've got the salary cap issues, just give him another three years means that the cap gets spread across um, more evenly in Safe's cap. Uh, Dean Dawkins absolutely deserves it. Um, he's a top 10 left tackle in the league now, in my eye eyes um and yeah he I just think he's had a fantastic season especially towards the end again he just really really came on and just showed what a top this, I think for me Deion Dawkins has always been pretty good and solid but he's never like been an elite left tackle well, and I think he's now he's never in that top in six that or seven period. is he yeah, yeah
1: but he's he's heading that way but I do think yeah. we've seen this before in in Dion Duncan's career he really benefits when he's got a solid stable left guard yeah. next to him and when Conor McGovern we had some consistency there some consistency of play and um you know he's also in the contract next year uh thankfully um and I think. uh that massively helps Dion Dawkins to excel because he's not covering for the weaker link on these inside. And, you know, he's such a team player. He always plays better when he doesn't have to worry about someone else's problems. And I think that was that, yeah. was, that was huge for him.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, defensive player of the year for you?
1: Has to be Ed Oliver. Um, I mean, the step up he made in terms of his production in 2023 was really impressive and we obviously signed this new contract and there's always that worry if if a player signs that contract are they going to drop off they don't have to work so hard you know we got the opposite you know he went from two and a half sacks in 2022 to nine and a half from um a defensive uh defensive tackle position that three technique position again benefits from having decon jones on his on, on his other on this inside with him but even when Daquan Jones wasn't there, he was still disruptive. He was still making sacks. He was still really, really productive. And I thought what we do. We saw his 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 Oliver step up as a leader in this in this team and and be the um you know the anchor point for that for that defensive line. And and goodness, we've got him under contract for another few years because uh, that that contract is now looking really look like a great deal by Brandon Bean.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I was a little bit, uh, I was one of those that uh, had a little bit of doubt about the, the the number when it came out, the 16 and a half, and I thought, has he really warranted, you know, um, the size of cap hit? Just because, you know, you and me are both massive fans of him. We've both got his jersey. Ed Oliver's was the first one, My well, first ever Bill's jersey. You know, I'm a new fan relatively, so um, he's with my first ever jersey, and I've supported him all the way. I just couldn't, quite get to that point where you know, I wasn't too sure, you know, if they were actually going to extend it. And I'm so glad that, you know, Brandon Bean and McDermott, they're there each day. They know how these guys work off off the field and they could see that there was an opportunity there to get even more out of Ed Oliver and, you know, get this level of production. Uh, and we all knew it again. We all knew it was in him. It was just actually, try, you know, delivering, seeing the results of of it. Um we just needed to see that. And yeah, he had an unbelievable season. He was well, most productive pass rusher across the defensive line. Um, yeah, he was just fantastic uh player and he probably is the choice for defensive player of the year. But I didn't go for that. Partly because I knew you'd go for Ed Oliver because of how big <laughs> of a fan you are, but partly because I wanted to spite you a little bit. So I've gone for all action to Ralph Bernard. Uh, fair enough. Uh, fair enough. <laughs> that was my second
1: choice. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. But um, who'd afford it, hey? Um, you know, the, uh, I'd love to go back actually. I'm, I'm going to go back and listen to some old episodes of ours and just listen to you kind of. And, and again, it, you weren't berating it, yeah. the player, were you? you no, no, never. You were berating the selection and, you know, it wasn't a need and that kind of thing at the time. You know, you just didn't see, especially after his rookie season, he wasn't used. You're like, you know, surely there's a, What a, we doing? Yeah, you know, we had a role for them when he drafted him, and clearly they looked at him and saw, um, you know, a placeholder for when um, Jermaine Edmonds left. And fair play, if that was the plan, and if they knew that you know the, the price that Edmonds would get on the open market was wasn't going to be palatable, then and this was planned all along, then um, you know this is absolutely um, been a successful pick like he's always around the ball like when you look at the impact plays um, from this season with Terrell Bernard versus for Tremaine Edmond seasons he leads them in every single category so he played uh, 17 games this is only regular season um, he's had three interceptions he didn't force any fumbles but he had four fumble recoveries which just shows that he's always in the right place at the right time uh, and six last sacks on top of 143 combo tackles 85 of those solo you know you can't argue with that production I think he's um unfortunate to miss out on a pro bowl like we don't really care yeah. too much about it but it's nice to see our guys get accolades and you know just because it's not a household name he wasn't in running but um yeah his production and just what he brought to this defense especially with matt Milano going out after yeah, four, huge. the first four games mm-hmm. um he was able to kind of keep the defense together orchestrate a defense get us to where we got to in the season ultimately and win the division, so absolutely massive props to him. He he, he had a fantastic season. So what he, a shout! He out
1: might him. be my next jersey. I probably probably need an offensive jersey. I'm short on those, but yeah, oh, wow. I, I feel like I feel like he's, uh, he's 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 up that in that level. I can't wait to see him playing alongside Matt Maloney next season. I think uh, that's yeah. going to be the absolute strength of us, this defense, and um, we're going to need it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we certainly will. Um, most improved. Who have you gone for? So I've gone for Spencer Brown,
1: um, yeah. you know, because likewise, you know, if we were going to go back listening to my tape on um, Terrell Bernard, we just want to listen to your recordings <laughs> on Spencer Brown. <laughs> uh, but, you know, he he solidified that right tackle position. Um, he had by far and away his best season as a bill. Um, he was a solid contributor. Is he elite? No, but he's very good. Uh, I think he, 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 he gave... He was the final piece in this jigsaw of making sure that Josh Allen had the best offensive line that he had. And I think he's still got room to improve and grow and get even better than where he is. But it was a massive step forward for Spencer Brown, from my perspective. Tackle is a premium position. It's expensive to get really good tackles. You know, we got this guy late, you know, what well, middle rounds of the draft and um, he's he's proven, proven everybody wrong. Um, he, he was drafted on traits. And credit to the Bills' defensive coaching staff to turn him into the player that he uh, he now is.
0: Mm. It's pretty amazing to think that um, you know the the Bills' offensive line and like how they came to the Bills. The fact that Dawkins was only a sec a second round pick, I think he was a late second as well. Spencer Brown was a late third. Obviously, uh, Torrance was a late second. Mm. Um, And Morse and McGovern they were obviously free agent acquisitions. But the fact that we not really had to invest. Um, you know, first round assets in the offensive line. And usually I, I listen to the like Move for Sticks podcast and that kind of thing. And they kind of talk about the principle of having three first round players in the offensive line and just like have those like, building blocks on the offensive line, those long-term pieces to solidify the offensive line. In fact, we've not had to make those investments and we've still been able to get, like you know, our offensive line over the last three or four years has been fairly suspect and questionable at times. Um, but this season's definitely the best the offensive line has been and the fact that we've had to invest like absolute premium assets into it. Like you think about Cody Ford, for God's sake, and he was what, like pick 35 or something? We traded up for that one and you know, it just goes to show not necessarily where you get picked, you know, and we all know this, but like, you know, we've been able to like pick players below that that have actually been a lot yeah. more productive and a lot more better. And yeah, I, I've gone for him as well, like, um, last off season, every episode I was talking about Spencer Brown, I just could not see him recovering from his 2022 season. I just thought he, he, he was a huge risk heading into 2020, 20, 2023, especially when Brandon Shell, who's like the veteran that signed up as competition, he retired in training camp. I was like, Oh, here we go, you know. But he absolutely did play very well. Um, you know, absolute props to him. As you said, he's always had the traits. It was just whether that could translate. He's always had that chip on his shoulder. I liked as a rookie how you know he had that nastiness about him and he'd stick up for his teammates. He was always a little bit cocky on the field and that kind of thing. Uh so I've liked him from that aspect but yeah his game's just gone up uh another level. Yeah. My question would be and there's a lot to change between now and 2025, you know there's two off seasons between them but he's only under contract for another season under his rookie deal. If we were to extend your Dawkins which I want them to do this off season, could they Find especially with everything else. Obviously, Josh Allen's cap hits, yeah. and then what's whatever's going to happen with Diggs and Von Miller. Are we in a position to actually extend Spencer Brown? I'm I think not too we should.
1: Sure. I think we should because I think now will be the cheapest he is, um, and you know we yeah. can spread that cap hit. I think you know he's on an upward trajectory. It be
0: worth? I've not even like looked at. You know, I don't, any I don't of know. The cap places yeah, have to, to, see to see what we, his value would be. I, we'll I we'll have to no look into. Yeah,
1: me neither. We'll have to look into that because um, I think that. You know, tackles are really expensive and, it, and it's really yeah. hard to get a good one. The bills are not typically picking early in the draft where the best tackles go. So you've got to either develop somebody and we have, or you've got to you know, trade up, which is expensive, or you've got to be poor and then be picking early. So uh, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's pretty mm. simple for me. We have to lock him down, lock him down when he will be the cheapest that he will be. I mean, yeah, the, yeah. the bills offensive line was ranked, um, uh, Top eight, um, you know, for the NFL, and that's a massive step forward um, for this for this offensive line. And he was a big part of that. I mean, we've yeah. had we've had turnstiles there um, mm. at various points in in the last few years. So I, I think it's just from a from a what's the word from a value perspective. Let's let's try to lock him in as best we can right now and. I mean, he's currently, I mean, he's on his rookie deal, right? So, I mean, he's making, what, yeah. I mean, three or four, four million, something like that. Um, yeah. He's he's not making very much. He's I mean, top-rated right. tackles. It's, it's yeah, I think it's maybe less than that, like three million. So, what his uh, future deal would be? I don't know, eight, nine million, maybe something like that. I mean, he's not mm-hmm. a top-ranked tackle, but he's on an upward trajectory. What's I think the, wor- the the worry is yeah. if he has another good season, he's going to be into that yeah. 12, 15 million kind of territory, and then suddenly it's a whole different thing. So I think you lock him in now, if you possibly can, and you spread that cap uh, mm-hmm. over the over the next few years um, so that it doesn't damage us in 2024. But yeah, it's a good, 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 good off-season topic for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um. Yeah, unsung uh, hero. Who have you gone for?
1: So yeah, I kind of wrap my brains a little bit here because I feel like you know we've 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 spoken a lot about the the, the major heroes who's unsung, and I ended up on, with David Edwards because uh, I think he he enabled, I think he strengthened that offensive line when we needed to run the ball. You know, we supported as playing two and three tight end set, so you know twelve and thirteen personnel at times. Um, he was really instrumental in being that sort of you know big tight end stroke. Uh, extra offensive lineman and enabled us to do you know some of the josh allen you know short yardage stuff as well so you know he didn't get a lot of, a lot of buzz i'd like to see him back i think he's perfectly solid um uh defensive lineman yeah. anyway he's probably going to be pretty cheap because he hasn't done anything substantial to increase his value um this year but i think he enabled us to do different things and um he enabled us to open up some gaps that uh, james cook could exploit as well so yeah i think that Nobody's really talking about David Edwards, but yeah, quietly he enabled us to do some schematic things that we haven't really seen an awful lot of before and and, and improved our effectiveness in, in short yardage situations.
0: Yeah, like fortunately for the Bills, you know, we didn't receive many David, much of David Edwards outside of the uh, jumbo set stuff just because we were we very, to, very we? healthy yeah. on the O-line. And yeah. that's why we're going to have loads of time to talk about the off-season, but I'm not against like, drafting O-line still. I'm not saying in the first round necessarily, but, like, middle rounds, like, you can always do with some good O-line backups. Like, because my worry was, and I know Ryan Band... Den, is it Denmark? It was a DeMarc in the end we found out, didn't we? Um, Ryan <laughs> we call Band him <laughs> <laughs> I nearly tripped myself on that again. But, um, you know, he, he seemed to do okay when he filled in for Dio Dawkins and be pretty good for being, like, UDFA or something. But, you know, I'm always for kind of investing in O-line and uh, you know we didn't see much of David Edwards but what he did do as you said like he, he had a really good role and um, you know he was able to seal off some really nice blocks and create some really good lanes for James Cook as you said so yeah no he's he's fitting for that uh, mine's just for Christian Benford like mm, uh, I just got a yeah. bit concerned about him when he's on the field like no one talks about him doesn't feel like he gets a lot of targets that come his way for a cornerback, too. I looked and it was about 60, which you'd think it'd probably be more, especially with the Bills being in like leads most of the time and, you know, people having to throw on us and Trelawney's wide's been out most of the season. So it's like, yeah, I just was kind of surprised about that. Um, but yeah, he's just reliable and he hasn't actually. The, the one thing that I noticed when looking at the statistics was that he hasn't actually missed a tackle all season. So incredible. You know how. Poor at times the Bills have been at missed tackles, and he's someone like your Teron Johnsons, who's actually a very good tackler. And as I said, he's just reliable. And uh, round six you know, pick,
1: you know, to risk to get a oh, starting cornerback yeah, in it? round six. I mean, that is that is incredible stuff. It just speaks again to the development uh, ability of this
0: uh, this Bills defensive uh, coaching mm. staff. Usually, I feel like in a draft when when you watch it, like there'll be I don't know. Maybe twenty or thirty players that you just haven't heard of when you've done the mocks, they might be just like right down the bottom of the boards on whatever sites you use, and then they appear and then you know you get your Daniel Jeremiah's and stuff talking them up and saying, Oh, this player was, you know, touted, blah blah blah. Like usually for the Bills picks I do feel like you know, I haven't watched their film. I can't watch all their film, but like I know of kind of who they are, I've heard their name. But like Christian Benford, Villanova, like I know I knew of Villanova but like I didn't hear his name at all never, whatsoever no, never, never. No. in last season's draft uh, prep just no one talking about him and I listened to hours and don't, hours of draft podcasts Don't
1: think he was on my board that's for sure <laughs> Absolutely
0: not so the fact yeah. that this sixth round Cornerback comes out of Villanova and is definitely our C B2 now. It's just pretty remarkable, really. And again, a testament to him and where he's come from, how much hard work he must have put into it to, to even get opportunities opportunity. So yeah, yeah, Christian Benford for the rookie of the year, we probably have the same, but I'll let you go first. It's
1: gotta be Dolan Kincaid, doesn't it? I mean, uh, first round pick. Yeah. Um, tremendous impact, especially growing through the season. Um I, I thought I was really Delighted with the pick because I thought it it gave us a little bit more, a few more options in terms of what we were going to do as an offense. But this is a guy that had um, 73 receptions on 91 targets, 673 yards, I think um, an average of just under 10 yards uh uh, yards per 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 catch a couple of touchdowns um he's super smooth love his route running the the ability that he has across the middle of the field especially is really something and i think we're going to see even more out of him uh coming into 2024 i mean this is just scratching the surface but the Bills got a starting level receiving tight end who also is a enthusiastic blocker for all this sort of Mm. buzz about oh, he can't block but actually yeah I thought he was, he was, pretty, he was okay. pretty encouraging. He was, he was perfectly yeah. okay. Yeah, perfectly yeah. okay. Um, he was never drafted to be an inline guy anyway. Um, yeah. But he gave this offense a different dimension. Very smooth, great yak. Um, I, mean, I, was, I was having a bit of a play around. I was going to look on Fancy Pros, and Fancy Pros actually have him for 2024 ranked as the eighth top tight end um, in terms of, and that's ahead of people like TJ Hawkinson and Cal Pitts. So, yeah, you know, people notice this guy is on an upward trajectory. And, and I love it when we can draft someone in the first round, and they're an instant contributor. And they they, they play to that status. And with Bills, I haven't really had that many players that really did that. But Dalton Kincaid definitely lived up to his expectations.
0: Mm. Yeah, it feels a little bit to me like what's wrong Matt James Cook uh, when, when we drafted him. I didn't expect him to be someone that's going to be as good of a rusher as they as he presented. We thought he was going to be receiving back and he's just become great uh, rushing a ball. But like, it's kind of the same with Don Kiké. Like, we knew what we we're getting. We knew he was going to be... Um, you know, a really good receiving option, that kind of thing. But it was his blocking that actually surprised me in line. Like, again, he wasn't perfect, he wasn't great, he wasn't even good. But the fact that, you know, everyone that I was listening to and the film that I was watching, you know, just suggested to me you can't play this guy in line, you kind of got to use him a lot in the slot and that's kind of where he envisaged his role to be in this rookie season. But he did play a fair amount of in line and that was, again, a Joe Brady thing playing more jumbo sets, multiple tight ends with Dawson Knox and that, but he held his own. And the fact that, you know, he's going to give us that versatility where he can hold his own and he can, you know, provide um, seal blocks and that kind of thing uh, and create lanes for the running backs, that's just going to make him more multifaceted, you know, he's going to be able to uh, be more deceptive when he's on the field, like when they, um, you know, um, I forget a term that they call it, but when they like kind of pull out and you know pretend that they're blocking and then they you know slip out, and you know it's just going to create more options for him and uh, be more of a weapon. So, yeah, uh, Kincaid for me as well. I said had some big games, went quiet a couple of times, but that's just that wasn't his fault necessarily, that was just for games. So, um, yeah, Donald was great, absolutely. Um, for Rex, I'd imagine we've also got well, matching I've, here. I've,
1: I've just to, to be contrary. I think I, I'm pretty sure you've gone for Von Miller. Um, yeah. Uh, so I've gone for a different one just to kind of spice it up a little bit, yeah. which is Ky- Kyrie Elam. Um, you know, he was a first round pick not very long ago, and he, you know, sorry soul, but he just has not lived up to that billing at all. Um, struggled to to compete for a role. You know, he got beaten out by Christian Benford. He got beaten out by by Dane Jackson. And you know, we started to see a little bit of spark from him towards the end of the season, where he came in here and there. But you know, for a for a first round pick, um, we've simply not seen that level of production. Nothing, nothing close. Now, the good news is that he's still really young, and um, you know, we may well see more development out of him. We're going to see a new defensive coaching staff, and maybe they can get something uh, out of him. But yeah, I mean, right now he looks like a bust. And for uh, for us at the moment, we're trying to get cheaper and younger. Cheaper and uh, and younger we can't really afford to have too many first round busts and, and Elam is looking like that right now. I still have a small amount of hope that we're going to see him uh, certainly maybe not fulfill his potential, but, but, but do something significant. Um, and maybe, uh yeah be a, maybe, maybe a third choice and, and, and be an effective backup perhaps behind um, uh, Benford and Douglas. But yeah, it's, it's a long, long road for him to, to get back and be a starting <sighs> corner back in this team.
0: Mm, he could be a better factor from John Butler moving on. Obviously, Bobby Bat yeah. Abbech is now yeah. a defensive coordinator. We haven't talked about any of that news kind of since yeah. uh, obviously the last, po- last podcast. We'll see. we see
1: what kind like, of role Trey White has in this in his team and and, and whether he's yeah. he comes back. You know, he's a significant cap hit, and um, obviously two major injuries. He's coming back off. You know, there may well be a situation where where he doesn't he, he doesn't return, and and that may well play again into Elam's hands and. I don't know whether we should have had to see Dane Jackson again, but I, I, you have to say, right now he looks like a bust. Just on the numbers alone, he looks like a bust, and um, that's pretty disappointing.
0: Yeah, but for me, I didn't know what I was expecting from him this season anyway. So, like, I wasn't expecting much from him. Like, I always thought in my back of my mind, especially for train. And I know you can't take a lot from training camp because, obviously, you know, <laughs> from what we're hearing... First-round pick, though. First-round pick, like the-
1: You've got to expect you know, something from your first round picks, so don't you?
0: I mean, oh, I know. But just with how his rookie season went and just, I don't know, it just didn't seem like it was going according to plan. And I know it's only one season, but I just wasn't expecting.
1: And I'm I'm not right. ready to give up on him. You know, we've seen, yeah, uh, we've, we've, we've seen the development. There's no point now, around sunk
0: that asset into it. Yeah, you we know, are exactly. going to get now, a fifth round pick? What's that really? You might as well try. And
1: if that, yeah. I mean, you're going to try and turn him into something. That's what we're going to do. Yeah, absolutely. so yeah but, Von Miller I'm, I, I'm in agreement <laughs> with uh, I, yeah. <laughs> you can't argue against
0: it can you no, I did no, initially just based on you know you, you always like when you think of these awards you always go to like the, 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 the most freshest like opinion that you have like in your back of your head obviously Tyler Bass and what happened at the end of the season <laughs> that was my first name he was my first name just in, in in that situation missing that kick you know you just can't be doing that but then I thought well, it. We paid, you know, Von Miller X amount of million pound dollars for like five tackles and like nothing outside of that. um You know, he's just and the off season shit that we all had to deal with, and yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him this off season. I expect him to be a bill just because they can't do nothing about it, really. But yeah, it's just like disappointing how that's all gone. I was really. Well, going into the season, I thought this is our second most important player because Mm. I thought if we got to that level that we saw pre-injuring 2022, um, you know, how much he added to that pass rush. I was listening to um, a podcast earlier and they said that prior to Von Miller getting injured last year, we um, had the third best pass rush without blitzing, you know, so the natural four-man front pass rush. Our defensive line was third and a lot of that would have done with Josh, uh, Von Miller's act, impact and just what he was able to do anyway. so But yeah, it just hasn't materialised, hasn't worked, didn't work this season. Who knows if he's going to be able to get that flame back if he returns and get back up to form. Oh, I'll count against it for now. I can't see it happening. But yeah, he was just terrible last season. So let's move on to some more positive things then. So... These are more of a reflection of the seasons in terms of like moments and games and stuff. So, we've got favorite games. So, what have you gone for as your favorite games? Quite a few candidates, it feels yeah, like, the, as there is each season. There but... is.
1: It actually didn't take me too long. I went for the uh, the week four game against the Dolphins. A um, couple of reasons for that. I mean, you know, we obviously had that dodgy start to the season against the Jets and rebound against the, the Raiders and the Commanders, but of course, they turned out to be pretty weak teams during the season anyway. The dolphins at that point were riding really high. Everybody was, you know, saying, "Oh, the dolphins are going to be, you know, one of the favourites for the Super Bowl," and we absolutely smashed them um, in our stadium. And I was also there at that game, and it's it always has, you know, more of an impact when you're there in person. Than yeah, the, yeah. The whole environment, the buzz, the stadium was so loud. It was one of the loudest stadiums I've ever heard in my life. And I've been to a lot, but it was incredibly loud for four hours solid. And um, to absolutely batter them 4820 um, after they had came in with such hype was really a, a just a phenomenal moment. Now, of course it didn't turn out to be the, the, the sort of the the tipping point for, for the season to really go on. And, 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 you know, actually that yeah. was, was, that was the end of the se- the bills playing well, <laughs> <And> <laughs> yeah. we that, that mid season slump. But mm. um, at the time it, it was just, it was a big party and uh, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Just great play, offense and defense. It was, yeah. it was just fantastic.
0: I was going to say, it felt like the perfect game, didn't it? Like you reflect back on that and, you know, the offense was firing, the defense was firing, um, you know, the quality of touchdowns we scored, the, the turnovers that we created, like Terrell Bernard, I remember again, having a, an amazing game that was like his breakout game. Um, yeah. It's amazing though looking back at games because I was watching some of the games back and the Raiders game at home second week, so we lost against the Jets and we were a touchdown like they, they'd scored in their opening touchdown drive the Raiders and just look about I forgot like the Bills fans like were booing even at that point. Like the second <laughs> game in after the first drive of the match of booing. I was like, you know. Yeah i just forgot about that you forget about these little things don't you it's so like bloody hell you know we we, we were at that point already well, in i saved my
1: and... re-watching until usually the other stuff. well after well the draft the, after the draft yeah when i've got yeah, something else to yeah. to care about um so I, by that point I was forgotten all about all this stuff
0: <laughs> mm, yeah no i, I don't blame me to be fair for parking a lot of it but like for the for me like we got a Touchdown Award. I felt like I had to go back and at least watch some of the mm. touchdowns to try yep. and refresh myself. Um, we'll get on to the, the touchdowns in a second, but just uh, go back to my favourite game. So for me, it's difficult. You know, both the Dolphins games were great to watch, although the the, the away game uh, was um it was party yeah. mouth stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's like, important like, for a different reason, right? Touchdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the command is low-key for me. I really enjoyed, and I know you were there for that, but I really enjoyed watching that just because yeah. it was pure dominance. It's just fun to see the Bills playing like that. But for me, it's the Cowboys win, 31-10. Um, I find I, I love watching Josh Allen and Bill's offense, you know, 80% passing, get 400 total passing yards on the game, just think it about and see Diggs and Shakir and those guys having massive games and that kind of stuff. But I do also really enjoy a ground game and seeing one of our running backs just go off like James Cook did. Um, you know he had a massive performance. It was about 170 yards, two touchdowns. Mm. Um, yeah, just absolutely monstrous game. And you know, we that that was the start of our you know difficult stretch. And it does feel like when the Bills, you know, get those difficult stretches at the end of the season, they turn it on. And that's just one of those performances where, you know, we were able to kind of force our will on a good Cowboys defense and they just weren't able to stop it. And I just enjoyed it. Plus, it was a later game. It was a a prime time, right? So it was late game for us. We enjoyed it. That approach but it reduced the yeah. time for us as well <laughs> of the game. Um, but yeah, it, it was just fun. And I know you enjoy the Cowboys, you know, game because yeah. you hate the Cowboys. And they so you have a
1: passion. It's a different way to win, right? You know, that was yeah. that was the key thing for me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, best touchdown. What have you it, it so difficult with Josh your quarterback, but like uh, what did you settle with?
1: You're not gonna like it but
0: <laughs> and there's a degree of
1: there's a degree of recency bias but it was such a good touchdown and in the, in the context of what I'm going to explain you're going to go I can't believe you picked that but it was the game against the Chiefs in the playoffs with uh, Khalil Shakir into that into that front yeah. uh, bottom corner of the end zone yeah, you know, Josh yeah. has to roll out to his left he has to avoid various different things he puts this insane throw into the only place that Khalil Shakir can catch it and he comes up with the catch and you know the concepts of that game that was huge and of course it didn't yeah. end up you know unfortunately if our kicker had done his job we wouldn't have, would have mattered but it was just an incredible touchdown and when I went back and yeah. at it like that was what I'm looking for when it was my touchdown of the year is Great play from the quarterback and great play from the receiver and the combination of both. That's what elevates it. You know, sometimes you get a phenomenal performance. There's that Diggs one against Miami where he, um, you know, he's on the left-hand sideline and he and he dukes out of two two players and runs him for the touchdown. That's great, but it was, it was mostly good because of Diggs. But what I liked about that Khalil Shakir touchdown, it yeah. was excellent from both of them. Um, just really high-quality football. Insane catch, yeah. insane throw, uh, just, just incredible. But obviously the game puts a bit of a dampener on it.
0: Yeah, Shakir was incredible that game, especially with like three, un- outrageous catches. Um, and again, yeah. the yards didn't uh, reflect. like didn't suggest a good performance, but by God, if we didn't have Shakir that game, would have been toast a lot yep. earlier. Uh, so I totally appreciate that touchdown. I really do. I know it's not a, you know, one of these. Crazy long touchdowns, obviously, but that was such a hard catch to make, so I, I totally understand that. I've gone for it, it's difficult again it's, I watched them all, all the touchdowns again that we scored, and I'd even forgotten about the one that we scored against the Jets in week one. And just that was incredible, classic. Uh, it's a classic. Yeah. It's a classic <laughs> You know, Josh Allen type of touchdown. Yeah. The fact that he kind of like span on the spot in the pocket, rushed to his right, you digs at like coming across the field again. I watched that and I thought, freaking hell, that's an amazing touchdown. <laughs> and like, it's not unusual for us to see that. And we're so lucky. We forget to be the watching. ones when we
1: lose. The, the yeah. good ones when we lose games, those are the ones you forget. It's yeah. the good ones you, when you win games, you remember. But I, I, I did the same. I went back and I was like, oh
0: my word, that was that was incredible. Even a couple that Gabe Davis scored at the start of the season, one of yeah. Washington, but yeah. the, the deeper one, I really enjoyed that one. Like the um, out route to um, the pylon. And then the but the one he scored against the, the Dolphins at home, where like there's more about Josh and kind of how he was able to like pump fake and pivot. His body mm-hmm. and like yep. taught his body and that was really good for me. But recently, by again, and it's nothing to do, it's not even a passing touchdown, but the Allen long rush against the Steelers in the oh my word. That was playoffs, insane. 52 yeah. yard rushing touchdown. Just I try to like gauge it based on like how much I get excited about the the touchdown and you know that one it felt like that, I really that was magical, jump yeah. up and down and pump over <laughs> pump everything. In my system. <laughs> that and the hearty touchdown, a return yeah. touchdown, they're the ones I felt like are celebrated for most of any this season and all uh, or last season, sorry. And uh, it was just an unreal play for him to be able to do that with his you know, the size of him, you know, it's it's just Incredible. absolutely outrageous, absolutely yeah. outrageous. Um defensive takeaway. Uh what have you so, gone for here? It's... I've
1: gone for um the one from Ed Oliver, and Ooh. I think it was against the Patriots, if I remember correctly, where it was sort of it went over his head, it yeah. ricocheted off somebody, yes. and then he athletically jumped yeah. backwards to catch it away from the defensive line. He did
0: jump. He ran like five yards or something. Yeah, to yeah, get yeah, that, uh, didn't yeah. He? I
1: mean, it was just insane, absolutely insane. Yeah. We always knew that Ed Oliver's a hell of an athlete, but to see him do that. And to be so, you know, because you you're going from facing the offense to the, the line to turning around and then reacting to that. I, I thought it was
0: incredible. Yeah, I'm a bit disappointed that I hadn't thought about that one, to be fair. Um, because that totally deserves it. But I'm going for this one that I had anyway. The AJ Epinesa uh, pick six the commanders. Just it wasn't like yeah, he had got his hands up. It was quite fortunate that he kind of nestled. Like, I think it was on his kind of helmet and he was able to gather it in. But it, that was just from um, within um, the, the commander's own territory. So I think he had to go like 40 yards or something to score that. Um, so uh, there's there's a few like, of the offensive players that are trying to tackle him, but he's able to evade them. It's just, I love pick six plays. And like, even more so when it is for defensive lineman, who's like, Two hundred and sixty pounds, rumbling, and you know, making that kind of play. It was just fun. It was enjoyable. I remember watching it at the time, and uh, you know, that was we, we were like something crazy up against him at that point. I think, but that just, yeah, that just really had, added the icing uh, on on that performance. And then, lastly, in terms of the awards for best moment, what have you gone for? So, for actually, we
1: mentioned one? it already. You know, I'm going to go for the game against the Cowboys because it showed for the first time in the Josh Allen era, I think, where we, we radically changed our game plan and we leveraged a guy like James Cook to win in a completely different way. And I think that that is not just, that was not just a moment. I mean, you, everyone knows I hate the Cowboys and the history <laughs> the Bills have with the Cowboys. There's nothing more satisfying than beating the Cowboys. I, I can, <laughs> we still remember that Thanksgiving game vividly about beating them and, and that being sort of the... The, uh, I guess, the, the, the sort of the, the moment whenever everyone go, ah, oh, these bills are re- the real deal. Um, but that game, I think, also showed a shadow of what we could see also in the future of using James Cook in a different way, um, catching out the backfield. Um you know, being the major contributor in the rushing game and just not having to lean on Josh Allen's legs every five minutes, we won in a different way. And this wasn't Josh Allen playing hero ball. It wasn't Josh Allen having to rein it all back in and you know just dunk it off. Um, this was a completely different way of winning. And I think the more different ways you can win, the better you set up you are for future success. And so that to me is just, it's just a little marker for the uh, for the rest of uh, this sort of you know era of the Bills,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, no. Uh, as I said, that's my favourite game, and um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And yeah, no fair play for, for that. Normally, I've gone slightly differently, and this might be a little bit corny, I suppose, but the, despite the loss, it was a London game for me. Like it's my mm. first experience of Bills Mafia. Um, first time I'd, I'd met a lot of our friends um, in the UK. Just the whole weekend, the whole, you know, just before the game and even after the game to a degree, but it was just unreal being part of the bills yeah. um, experience. The atmosphere, I'll never forget the atmosphere when we were getting Trevor Lawrence to uh, and their B.O. line to fault start and they were right on top of us Um, at the Indars yeah, and the noise being generated from about... I don't know, 50,000 Bills fans in there um, was just the loudest I'd ever experienced in all my life and just being able to meet the people from Western New York and meet my friends. It was just an unforgettable day for me. Yeah. I know it was a pretty shocking game. Caillou Elam got toasted a number of times during that game. We did pretty tired. We two bad injuries. <laughs> two massively bad injuries that affected our season. Um, Just the game itself did not go right, but I was still... It was insane
1: that weekend though. It really was. Yeah. And I mean I I was basically in London all weekend from I think the Thursday through to the Monday. Yeah. And yeah. um you could see more and more Bills fans turning up and I just wanted it to feel like a home game, you know, I wanted it to feel like it was a Bills home game. And then I remember being on the um on the train to the stadium and seeing mostly Bills fans and thinking, oh, you know, we're going to have a presence here, and then arriving at the stadium and seeing mostly Bills fans again, and thinking there's a lot of Bills fans here, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then walking to the stadium. So yes, I mean that that's that bank um, of of seats where there's no break in the seating on one end of the the stadium was all Bills Mafia. It was incredibly loud. I had people texting me going, "Wow, that those Bills." fans are really making some noise, people who weren't in the game, but they could hear on the TV for me walking into that stadium and seeing the bills livery, you know, this team that I've loved in yeah. my, my whole yeah. life, it was an emotional moment. And, uh, it, it, it was like the bills are in not my hometown. I, I grew up in Manchester, but, but at, at the city that I spent an awful lot of time in and you know, in my home country, it, it really meant something. And, and also the fact that the stadium is, essentially very similar to what we're going to get in western new york it was it was something else and uh, like you said meeting all the people from western new york i mean I, i'm fortunate i get to go to games occasionally in the states and i've built up some some great friendships with people but see them coming over to, to the uk some people i hadn't seen in years um you know, people that I'd worked with who were Bill's fans from from years ago, turning up and everyone coming to the Fitzrovia Bell at the pub and hundreds of people there. It was just insane. What a weekend. Absolutely incredible
0: yeah no it really was and despite that i'd still be up for the bills coming in like two years time i know they can't come next year because of the opponents but i don't really care i know there's a bit of a curse around the bills coming to london and i'm sure people in the western new york wouldn't be happy about coming again anytime time so to be fair next time they come out it'll probably be germany or brazil or somewhere else that are going to aren't they at the moment so uh could be something like that but uh hopefully it's germany i'm i'm Definitely up for a German uh, trip to see the Bills. That'd be insane. That'd be an amazing weekend as well. <laughs> uh, anyway, so we'll now transition to just kind of... What we wanted to do is kind of transition from, obviously, last season to this season. But probably be a good talking point to bring up key takeaways from what we experienced last season yeah. and how that's going to impact our off-season and, obviously, to next season. So... Charlie, do you want to kick us off? Like, what's your Yeah, I've
1: got I've got two big ones. Um yeah. I'll, I'll start off with a negative one and I'll, I'll do a positive one second. So the first, the negative one is this defensive line is still not right and is not making enough contributions when it really matters. We're yeah. not getting that pressure on the absolute top quarterbacks and the absolute top offensive lines. We're not getting the sacks in the biggest games in the playoffs. Um consistently, we struggle to to make a, a dent on Patrick Mahomes. Um, they can game plan around the fact that their tackles aren't, aren't so strong. Um, I do think having Matt Milano would have helped. I do think having, you know, a fit more Miller would have helped, but we don't have those things. And it's very, very difficult to regenerate a defensive line in a, in an affordable way when you're up against the cap. Um, it's going to be very difficult to fix, especially with that Von Miller contracting, hanging over our, 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 our heads and, um, this to me is the biggest job for Brandon being in the off season is how do we make sure that we, 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 we're generating pass rush in 2024, especially because yeah. Leonard Floyd probably isn't coming back. Um, yeah. and there's no guarantees mm-hmm. that, that Von Miller will contribute at anything like any kind of reasonable level. We hope he will be, but there's no guarantees, nothing like we don't have a one tech right now. Um, we probably need two. um, we don't have a backup to Ed Oliver, um, which is, is important. Uh, We have Greg Rousseau and Ed Oliver on on the books, basically, that we could say as meaningful pieces. So we need some kind of edge rusher that can create proper pass rush, and we need a solid defensive tackle. I'm very, very hopeful that Dacorn Jones will come back. We saw the the cap figures released today. That gives me more optimism that um, the 2025, 2024 cap will support us getting Dacorn Jones back on maybe a couple-year contract. Uh, But if not, we're going to go after – find a, a one tech who can contribute from day one and, and be that, uh, that, that that running mate with Ed with, with Oliver. And so I think that throughout this McBean era, we haven't had a defensive line that has stood up to the very best teams and we still don't. And it feels right now we're quite a long way away from it.
0: Mm. Yeah, no, that's one of mine as well. Um, as you said, like when you look at it in hindsight, knowing now what, Bon Miller was gonna be for twenty twenty three compared to what we thought he was gonna be before the season had started. I think the past for us has probably outperformed expectations. But as you said, it didn't get it done when it mattered, it didn't get it done in the postseason. And as you said, a bunch of important free agency uh, important of um important free agents are gonna be going out of the door. Like Floyd and Epinesa, especially Epineza, Epineza, I think, was the player of the game for that Jags game. Uh yes, yeah, big big country, he, so, you know? he, he, Yeah, he massive in that game. Um, and, and you know, he, he, I said it, and I still probably say the same as well. Like, if we were to re-sign some, like him versus Gabriel Davis, it'd be AJ Panesar. Like for me, like from a monetary no, without perspective, without doubt, without the you know, the step far the roster, easier to
1: replace. Uh... You know. Place uh, wide receivers and it is meaningful contributors on the defensive line mm.
0: for me. Like, he's kind of a perfect edge free, really. That you're kind of looking for a depth piece. Um, yeah, it's going to be. I think what they'll do, I think they'll because they're like they tend to say, don't they? They try and um have most of the needs filled in free agency so you can, you know, Banner Bean always talks about, you know. Uh, drafting best player available, and they all kind of do that to a certain degree because they don't want to call their bluff and say what they want in the draft. But, like, I do think they will attack the defensive line in free agency. And that doesn't mean um, topping up the market. They're never going to do that because of the cap situation that we're in. What I'm talking about is that kind of, you know what Tim Settle and Daquan Jones were when they signed for us? You know, Tim Settle was like a rotational piece for the commanders, kind of a third and th- you know, fourth defensive tackle for them. Dequan Jones. He was a starter, but he wasn't like you know. He's kind of played his best years for the Bills now. It feels like you know he was still. He wasn't top of the market. He was kind of a starter level player. That's kind of how I envisage it. Just kind of two defensive tackles and an edge player, so that we do have somebody's in there. So when it comes to the drop, we don't feel like we have to, you know, push it and have to select a player who's, you know. um not valued accordingly like who isn't good value like i think they will try and do that and attack that um in free agency a little bit to make those kind of signings you know we're not gonna make any splashes but just the little investments they'll make i think they will make a defensive line rather than a wide receiver two for example i think there's more chance that they're gonna really attack wide receiver two with a first pick or a trade down slightly with, with that first pick or at 60 you know i think they will do that um so that's how I kind of visage it. Who knows? You, you never know, really. But that's kind of... That would seem logical to me anyway. And that feels like, from what we know from Bannon Bean, that's kind of how he'll attack it. So but I totally agree. It's a negative. We've not got the answers. Um, that kind of links in quite nicely with my one, which is a very high-level one. And it can, you know, it could probably apply to all of these things. But assuming we're not going to go into this off-season like doing a mini teardown or a rebuild mm. or anything like this. Like we're gonna try and attack this again next season. Uh, and over the next couple of seasons, in my opinion. But my question would be how will Brandon Bean go about improving roster to beat the Chiefs in the playoffs, mm. but also manage the current salary cap number? How how is he gonna chat like handle that challenge? Because we can't go and make a splash like, well after we lost in twenty twenty one, we can't just sign a Von Miller you know we can't sign these top end of the market free agencies. How are we going to attack it? We've lost them three times in the playoffs now. You know they're a young team as well. They're only going to get better. Plenty of cap space too. Plenty yep. good enough. Yeah, good cap space. You know they'll bring Chris Jones and Jerry Sneed back. I'm pretty sure of it. And they'll find they'll find a way of making it. They're premium players, but like they're only going to get better as well for Chiefs. So like, how the hell does Brandon? I, I, I do not envy. Um, Brandon B's task I, I'd just love to know and this isn't just next season it's the season after Like, what's his strategy to try and manage the cap but also try and get the Bills in that position that we can realistically compete and beat the Chiefs and the players and not just rely on Josh Allen to you know find a way of doing it you know so well, the defence has to step up special mm. teams has to step up. You can't just expect that from coaching. You know, we need some have better to look on injuries as well. We
1: need some better look on yeah. injuries. We lost yeah, a, lot a lot of stuff. our best players, our highest paid players, and mm. Milano and Daquan Jones for a bit of the season, and Trey White, and obviously Von yeah. Miller's still not right. You know, um, these are big, big parts of our cap space that aren't able mm. to contribute, um, and that's that's a problem.
0: Mm. And again, that's rhetorical. I wouldn't expect you to answer, that, but such a big mm. question, and there's so many factors that go into that. I don't know the answer, but that's going to be, you know, critical. That's 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 the number one thing for me. Like, you know, how how is he going to go about that? It's going to be really interesting to play out to see how that plays out of the next this offseason and probably next year as well. Yep. Um, what what you've got one which more, went, haven't you? Yeah, a, a positive, positive one, which one. is
1: this offense is only, you know, most of it's coming back mm-hmm. and we've only really got one hole, which will be the, the gap left by Gabe Davis, who didn't have anything like his most productive season last year. This get, this offense is, if you look at the draft picks that are now contributing, we have um, you know, two on the offensive line. We have James Cook on rookie contracts as well. We've got Khalil Shakir on a rookie contract. We've got um, a, a, a rookie tight end that's only on the upward upward trajectory. So I, a good chunk of this offense is on rookie contracts and getting better. Um, that's great news. I think the offense is not far away. We've got the best offensive line and everyone's coming back. I'm hoping that we see the best of Stefan Diggs again. You know, we'll probably save that discussion for another day. But, mm. you know, he still contributed a lot of catches and a lot of yards uh, last season, even when he wasn't perhaps on his, his top form. And maybe he was carrying an injury. Maybe it's a mental thing. Maybe, you know, the, the shift towards Joe Brady was was a problem for him. But um this was an offense which was very disjointed. We had that initial the splurge, which is pretty good. We had a, a big dip in the middle. Then we had a change of offensive coordinators, and suddenly Joe Brady's got to pick it up in the mid- middle of the season. I'm expecting this offense to take a big step forward because we've got... A lot of players who are on upward trajectories, who are young, competing, majority of it's coming back, and we're hoping we're going to get a wide receiver in probably the first uh, couple of rounds, you know, to be that wide receiver, to maybe developing into wide receiver in, t- uh, in time. So, you know, a bit of reason for optimism. This offense is probably going to be better next year. If you know, James Cook is going to be better, Khalil Shakir is going to be better. We're going to have more contributions, I think, from um, from that wide receiver group. This offensive line could well be better. Um, this, is, uh, th- this is really... Great causes for, for optimism from my perspective.
0: Mm. Yeah, it does feel like we're only, yeah, yeah, as you said, like a wide receiver, two away from being great again um, this offense. Um, and my last one kind of links into that. This isn't a negative or positive necessarily, but my overarching question is how will the offense change next season with having Joe Brady as the full time offensive mm. coordinator? Like, was his interim 10 year based on the players he had, or was the kind of feed the run game? you know, Jumbo sets, like kind of his real true blueprint. Like, I suppose you could look back to his time with the Panthers and obviously LSU before that. You know, he's not necessarily leaned into like the run game like he did um, with the Bills in his interim stint last year. But I'm going to find it interesting to see kind of what moves they make because that will indicate to us um and that's what the draft is especially as well isn't it it's like an indicator of like what you want to do uh moving forwards obviously like what will they do like how will they go about this like where will they put their investments and how could that potentially impact what they do on offense so it's not necessarily like the purse um the personnel but it's like kind of a philosophy standpoint and the scheme and like is what we saw at the end of last season what they truly want to do or will they actually you know, go kind of back to the spread type of offense or air raid and that kind of stuff. Um, it'll just be interesting. It'll be interesting yep. to see how that plays out. And again, it's not an answer that we can say now, obviously. We need to to see what happens in the off season and uh, into next season. But I think that's going to be really interesting to see kind of how that plays out as well.
1: Completely agree.
0: Very good. Um, so
1: I think that probably covers everything, doesn't it? I mean, will, will we uh, anything else you wanted to, to raise before we uh, we close out?
0: No no that um that was all my points really it's just nice to be back and doing this it's yeah uh, absolutely I, I felt like i've got a lot of uh frustration, anger still built up. So I think we we'll need to do one pretty soon again and of get out of the Yeah, system. We will. I
1: think our next pod what we'll do is we'll start talking about what the big questions are over the off season. We're you know, heading ever closer to free agency, which will then set us up in terms of what we might want to do for the draft. Uh, so as always, you know Tim and I are very passionate about this uh, this, this period of the season, especially um, you know, roster construction and 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 scanning draft prospects. We, we we love doing that. We'll be talking a lot about it. And then we'll, we'll move into probably a different phase of the pod where we'll start having some guests on. Already got a number of really interesting guests lined up for this this off season. So. Uh, yeah, looking forward to your company through twenty twenty four, and uh, you yeah, appreciate everybody who keeps coming back. We're into our third year of this podcast, um, which is uh, which is incredible, so uh, given yeah. given where we where we started. So yeah, um, yeah that's uh, yeah pretty 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 crazy stuff for uh, for Tim and I. So really appreciate everyone's kind words and uh, yeah, everybody coming back and listening uh, each year. Great stuff. So um, yeah, we'll be back in very soon to talk about all things off season. Um, so um, yeah, until next time, go Bills.
0: Go Bills.